So still virtual from the last few videos that you guys have seen, but this should be the last one. I, my flight is tonight. It's tonight. We'll be back in the studio next week, but we didn't want to leave you guys without a week of the round table because news keeps going. And uh, we wanted to, we have a few stories to run by you guys today. Um, it will be more of a traditional show in that um, there's not going to be one main story. It's just going to be kind of three main stories that we dive into a little bit. There won't be any B-roll today, but of course we'll bring you the box office because this is a substantial box office weekend for the industry, really. And it's a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun to talk about. Uh, but first, the first story we're going to talk about, we're diving right into this today, guys. Oh, uh, yeah. The, the first story we're going to talk about is a follow-up from a story that we did months ago on the show and uh nicholas you know how every now and then amc decides to just be idiots mm -hmm. every so often you know cinema does movie theaters yeah. yeah you know regal does yeah. it uh regal usually decides to go bankrupt um Cinemark just decides to be satan you know you know it, it really just kind of happens all the time mm -hmm. but uh one of the more dumb things that amc did is they said that they were going to start charging people by the seat and where the seat was located in the theater and a nicer seat would cost more and a closer seat would cost less. And they were going to do it like a, some sort of dynamic bullshit pricing. The good news is that is no <laughs> longer happening because they finally Thank got God. a brain about it. Yes. So I'm pulling this from the Hollywood reporter. Uh, AMC theaters is abandoning its sightline pricing strategy, which charge different prices for seats in different locations within each theater. First announced in February, AMC's plan involved charging higher prices for the best seats in each theater and lower prices for the seats at the very front of the auditorium. The company said Thursday that it will end the pilot program in the coming weeks and replace it with a new program that aims to upgrade the seats in the front of each auditorium. This I actually like. Thank you, Nicole Kidman. <laughs> Whenever AMC does something great, I just credit Nicole Kidman. Nicole uh, Kidman is the CEO of AMC. Yes, correct. Uh, as far so, as I'm concerned. Yes. So basically, um, the article goes on to explain that mm -hmm. their new plan is going to take their front row seats and move them back by a certain number of feet. So that way, like the first row experience feels more like the third or fourth row experience. So that way... So they're just going to eliminate the back three rows of the front? Yes. That's probably exactly what they're going to do. And right. uh, and people say all the time, like, aren't you eliminating seats? You know, you're eliminating the potential sellouts of the theater. I'm sure if you looked at the entire past three years of how many times the theater sold out, it's they're not going to be losing any money. So, um, no. and if anything, if you can somehow, now granted, the marketing of getting people to sit in the front row is going to be hard. But yeah. at least if someone has to get the front row, it'll be a more pleasant experience than before. See, I don't even think necessarily you probably do a marketing push for like an announcement or something. But mm -hmm. I think with the frequency of that people are going back to the movies, I think that's something that might just happen organically. Of you'll walk in and be like, "Oh, they changed this. Oh, that's not too bad. That's a little bit farther back." Like I think that's something you'll visibly notice, and mm -hmm. then be like, "Okay." Well, then you see it, and you're like, "Okay, well, that's not too bad." Yeah, yeah, and I, it's yeah. like you said, it's just going to be something that. People realize their word of mouth. You're not no yeah. commercial or anything is going to make you be like front row, sit there. Like no one's going to do it. But uh, I'm glad that AMC has reversed this idiotic, dumb decision, and yeah. I am hoping that this leads to more 
I was going to say more good decisions, fucking yeah. better decisions. And uh, some of the more programs, like the great program of making the front seat further back. I hope they continue to do things like that because I think that's going to improve the movie going experience. So Definitely. thank you, Nicole Kidman, for because it was sing- it was wholeheartedly you who uh, got rid of this program. Thank you, Nicole Kidman, for making heartbreak feel better in a place like that. Uh, our next story is an exclusive from Variety, and uh, nothing has happened yet. But Warner Brothers is seriously considering pushing many of its end-of-year releases to next year due to the SAG strike because actors cannot promote projects. And mm-hmm. I think it's funny that by doing this, they're admitting that actors are needed for movies to be successful in their promotion of them, kind of admitting how important the actors are, but let's still not give them, you know, fair stuff. That's fine. Uh, yeah, why would we do that? Why, why, why would we do that? Um, but That would make too much sense. Exactly. Uh, the specific projects that they are going to move, that, that they haven't said they're moving, that they're considering moving, are The Color Purple, Aquaman 2, and the big one, Dune 2. Uh, there is talk of Dune 2 moving. <laughs> it still works over Zoom. <laughs> the, the whole thing. Uh, I'm going to read from Variety right here. <clears throat> the sequel to Denis Villeneuve's sci-fi epic Dune may be writing a sandworm all the way to 2024. Thank you to whoever worded it. That way you deserve a raise. Uh, spokesperson, spokespeople for Warner Brothers and Legendary declined to comment on the matter. Additionally, Warner Brothers is addressing potential new dates for the anticipated movie musical The Color Purple and Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. The possible date shuffling comes as a result of striking union SAG-AFTRA and the Rogers Guild of America at war with show business producers for new contracts. And then it goes on to say, like, you can't release Dune 2 without promoting it. Like, Austin Butler, Florence Pugh, Javier Bardem, Timothy Chalamet, Josh Brolin, like, you can't release that movie without people being able to promote that movie. Like, it's just not there and um obviously this is a tough call what i the conversation that i kind of wanted to have with you other than obviously your thoughts on this potentially happening was having my charger yeah yeah but i do it oh god damn it it's tangled i thought this was gonna be smooth i just got the (laughs) notification where like your laptop is about to die (laughs) and i'm like please don't ladies and gentlemen i'm putting the round table this is real drama in real time. Will he get it plugged in? We're good. Great. Tom Cruise doesn't have shit on me. <laughs> Great. That um, was the real impossible mission. Yes, yes, that right there. Um, um, you cannot promote Dune 2 without yes. that cast. Um, the conversation Mainly I, Zendaya. Yes, the conversation I wanted to have with you. Oh, and speaking of Zendaya, they did push her movie Challengers to next year. They pulled yes, out of premiering at the Venice Film Festival, but that was another studio. Mm-hmm. Um, but the conversation I wanted to have toward you, if you move movies like The Color Purple and Dune, does that open up the Oscar race for movies that are coming out this year? Because Dune was obviously going to be an Oscar contender, especially for technical categories. And The Color yeah. Purple, if it was great, would be a contender, maybe, you know, depending on how the movie is. But with that December release date, they were certainly hoping it would be a contender for the Academy mm-hmm. Awards. So what do you think this does for the Oscars? And do you think more more movies, like, you know, what if Killers of the Flower Moon moves? Like, what if, like, these other films move? Like, what are your thoughts in regard to the award season next year? 
That's good. Uh, like you said, nothing has been decided yet. There has been no changes to the schedule. But like like you just said in our Oppenheimer review earlier, that as of now, that is like a lock for many of the technical categories. And looking ahead, I feel like the two that that would be competing against would be Killers of the Flower Moon and Dune. So I feel like that almost would ensure an Oppenheimer win. But at the same time, there's these movies that come out. Like, you're going to tell me Martin Scorsese movies aren't going to be nominated for a bunch of Oscars. Dune 2, which the first Dune won a bunch of... It got nominated for Best Picture. You know? And there's the good and the bad of that, because that would open up the race for some of these other ones that, you know, are really good and have these great pieces on it that you just know aren't going to get the Oscar push from the studios. And like you've been saying, Glenn Howerton for actor for blackberry please please do it academy well like you know as of right now he might be in that conversation but six movies from now he might be totally obsolete because it was an early release movie so i think it'd be interesting to see what they would nominate off of that and also just general interest and excitement i think that i wasn't a huge fan of the first dune movie i enjoyed it very much i am looking forward to the second one and I think the trailers have been great, but how much do you release of this movie until, you know, if it keeps getting delayed, you have to do a whole other marketing push, which is going to cost the studios so much more money when they're already losing money and people aren't going back to the movies as much as I'm holding for this weekend. But, you know, in the past, you know, you've seen these big blockbuster movies not making any money lately. And I think that's a greater issue. So... I don't know. I'd be interested to see what what ends up getting sort of nominated yeah. in that. You know, do you do you get a John Wick four production design nomination because because Killers of the Flower Moon and Dune two don't come out? You know, yeah. I think that I think what they pull from would be interesting to see because it's going to be stuff you didn't even think about because you're like, oh, it's going to be this. Yeah, and I I think where I would what I would say is I think that the studios have a date in mind and they're like Mm -hmm. if the strike is not resolved by this date we have to move it Mm -hmm. and i don't know what the date is but i i feel like they feel like if the strike is not resolved by this date we cannot release the movie and i feel like that a lot of things are reliant on that happening um because like you know that paramount and apple want leonardo dicaprio to promote killers of the flower moon they really want him to do that and oh yeah so maybe that's a contender that could also move. I mean, I think Scorsese's name lends itself to some promotion, but he's one of the few directors who can. But, you know, when you have Leo in your movie, use Leo when you can, like when they're not striking. So Well, not even that, too. You have Brendan Fraser, who's just coming off of an Oscar win for Best Actor. Right. Like, you want, that, you want that promo. Yeah. Yeah, Robert De Niro's a name, but let's look at his last but it, but it's but it's Robert De Niro and Scorsese. No, I know it's Robert De Niro and Scorsese. Yeah, and I think that, and and hey, maybe because like that has an October release right now. Maybe if Dune or The Color Purple moves, and Killers of the Flower Moon still wants this year, they can just move to Color Purple spot December twentieth. You know, yeah, and, and save that. Something that I think shouldn't happen. Don't push Aquaman two. The reason I say that is because we all are under the assumption that that movie is going to to, to fail because to of tank. 
unintended. Because of the recent failures of the DC movies, and the whole point of having Superman Legacy come out in 2025 was to give people a year off from the DCEU. I think the only DC movie coming out next year is Joker 2, which is not connected. (laughs) With that being said, that's why I think you don't push Aquaman 2, but as we're going to get into with a later story... They need to do, they have put a lot of money into Aquaman too. So if they want to see yeah. some of that back, who knows? But, you know, it's it's going to be an interesting choice. We'll, we'll keep everybody updated on the release dates of things. Uh, the only thing that has moved as of now isn't a Warner Brothers movie. I forget the studio who had Challengers, but they did delay that from mm-hmm. uh, till next year because they wanted Zendaya to promote that film. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, that's how it is going right now, guys. We're now going to move on to the final movie news topic of the day. And this comes to us from The Hollywood Reporter. And this one, this this is an interesting one. Um, it, The article dives into what they're calling the quest to build a better Aquaman 2. And uh, the subtitle of the headline is three reshoots, two Batmans, and nonstop test screenings. Uh, so I'm going to read a bit verbatim from the article here. Sorry if it comes across as like me reading something because I, I am in fact reading something. Um, Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom is uncharted waters for the next several weeks, potentially setting its course for good or for ill. The sequel to the 2018 Warner Brothers film is coming off a round of reshoots that occurred in New Zealand in mid-June that involves Jason Momoa and Patrick Wilson, according to multiple sources. This is the third round of reshoots for the movie that James Wan has directed. That is almost an unprecedented number, even for a movie of this scale. Lost Kingdom has faced several headwinds as it swims toward its December 20th release date. It was postponed several times. It was originally due to come out December 2022. And like its DC movie brother, The Flash, it's now making, it has now spanned three regimes at Warner Brothers. Um, It talks about how the movie was greenlit under the former bosses and getting into the actual uh, heat of it. Principal, principal photography wrapped in January of 22, but by summer, Emmerich was out, Hamada soon both out, mm-hmm. casualties of the WB Discovery merger. The movie was in the middle of post-production and began test screenings that summer, while the timeline's not clear from summer 2022 to beginning 2023, Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom underwent two rounds of reshoots that held several uninspiring test screenings. After one round of test screenings, a new new Warner Brothers bosses, Michael DeLuca and Pamela Abdi, got involved, and they were running point on DC until they appointed James Gunn and Peter Safran. Sources say that in the fall, Abdi took a strong creative stance and got involved in the editing of one cut. However, when that version tested, it scored lower than the previous version, which led to another round of reshoots. <laughs> <laughs> Different versions of executives notwithstanding, it's unclear what the problem here is. But one insider said the main issue is story clarity. Also a concern, Batman. Hamada wanted Michael Keaton's version of the character to be akin to Sam Jackson's Nick Fury in the Marvel movies as an elder statesman who could pop up in various films. He was going to be in this and the now-shelved Batgirl film. But shifting release dates muddled things. At one point, Lost Kingdom was set to open before The Flash. So in late July 2022... Two months after Abdi and DeLuca took over, Ben Affleck joined a round of reshoots as Bruce Wayne to replace the scene that Michael Keaton had shot. But then the movie was moved again, this time after The Flash, putting Affleck's appearance in question. The latest cut of the film features neither version of The Dark Knight. According to sources, 
new DC heads James Gunn and Peter Safran did not want to promise a movie universe that will come to fruition or tie it down exclusively to past failures, with one source saying it was pretty chaotic. Uh, more test screenings of cuts occurred in February and again by April, but this time Safran, a producer of the first Aquaman, as well as The Lost Kingdom, had become co-head of DC Studios with James Gunn. It's unclear how Safran's transition um, shifted the movie's fortunes, if at all, but insiders are saying that the filmmakers were in dumps over the seemingly never-ending post-production process, waterlogged test scores. However, the skies may have cleared with this new round of reshoots. Gunn is said to have weighed in on the most recent cut, and the leadership approved a five-day shoot. Sources say that the shoot went so well that Wan and company completed the shoot in only four days. And to some, the fact that Warners is still willing to keep spending money on the film shows that they have faith in The Lost Kingdom. We'll see about that. Uh, Lost Kingdom was already expensive. It was greenlit at a $205 million budget and shot during the pandemic, which was burdensome and added you know, cost to that budget. And um, But apparently the most recent round of reshoots um, has tested and or, or according to Warner mm-hmm. Brothers the most recent round of reshoots has improved the film oh my god that was a lot I'm sorry but um, there's, a, there's a lot to unpack there no more Batman which makes sense makes me sad mm-hmm. but it makes it makes sense like they don't want to put they, they don't want a Henry Cavill Black Adam yeah. situation of now we have to take that thing away that we weren't going to give them um, but it makes me happy that they let James Wan keep doing the reshoots and it was that Jason Momoa and Patrick Wilson uh, came back and did them. Um, who knows how this movie is going to turn out, dude. All I know is I love James Wan. I'm going to go watch the movie and hopefully the puzzle pieces have come together. Here, here's the thing. I'm going to rant for a minute. Please do. I cannot wait. You gave it a, the first Aquaman very successful. I know it's not everyone's cup of tea. I personally enjoyed it. I know it made a billion dollars. So I get the confidence in wanting to take your time with Aquaman. They're kind of shooting themselves in the foot with how these big blockbusters have been performing, which is abysmally another abyss joke. You started your production with a 205 million budget, right? Which after marketing, you need to make around 550 for your movie to be profitable which it may have seen it may have gotten close to i don't know after these reshoots you're probably looking at what an extra 100 million maybe close to 50 to 100 million probably so now your movie to be profitable needs to make about what 800 million and the first one made a billion and movies don't make a billion easily anymore it's in the trenches here. Like that's not going to be, it's not going to be good for them unless it's amazing. But even so, if it's already having these troubles and people are saying it's bad, right? What there's not going to be a big box office difference between your movie being bad and your movie being fine. If your movie was good and you made it great, that's a big difference. But like bad to fine, and we know bad, and then we're like, oh, it has this trouble. The general audience is going to see it. Might just think it's bad. Yeah. Whereas, like, we are going to watch it in the context of, man, with all those reshoots, that's fine. But realistically, with extensive reshoots to the degree that they're going with, how oftentimes does the movie actually end up turning out great? Or even good, you know? Usually they're just fine. 
And with the reshoots and the amount of money they're pouring into it, Blue Beetle won two days of reshoots and they rejected it. And they've been confident in Blue Beetle. James Gunn even said he's bringing that into his universe when he's not doing it with Aquaman. Do you think it's anything that he would have approved the two days, but it also makes it seem like they don't want to shovel any more money into that because they don't think it's going to perform well. Actually, to the two days thing, there was conflicting yeah. reports on that. There was one trade that said they were denied the two days and another saying that they oh. got the two days. So oh. it's, that's a fun one also going on. But it, it goes to your point of just yeah. the chaos that's going on there. Yeah. And I don't think pushing it is a great idea because if it is as bad as it is and there's already, like with Flash's performance and everything at <clears throat> Blue Beetles, what it's currently tracking not being great. You know, you want to get this as far away from the new universe as possible. And if you're releasing a movie a year, like within the year apart, I don't think that's great. I think people need the refresher from it. Yeah, no, I agree. And you brought, you brought up a really great point about spending all this money for a movie that they know is improved, that the audience will have no idea because they have not seen original versions. Yeah. Is that you know, it has to be great to be worth that price tag. And it's it's a tough sell on will it make it from bad all the way to great. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a shit sandwich, you know? And, and I think that it's gonna be really telling, dude, like what if Superman legacy bombs? Like I'm like I'm I'm thinking ahead, but like I don't think yeah. it's gonna like don't get me wrong. I don't think Superman Legacy is gonna be a billion dollar film. I don't think it's gonna make crazy like guardians of the galaxy money because the dc brand has just been so damaged but what if it performs like the flash does like that would be rough what's going to be telling is if joker how joker performs because i don't Mm -hmm. think joker 2 is going to make a billion dollars again i think that was a lightning in a bottle thing that happened but if it's not successful and the damaged brand has transferred all the way across the universe to other dc things that's not good. I think it's also going to come down with when it comes to Superman Legacy looking ahead, I think it's really going to come down to your marketing of this movie because like, if you look at most of the recent Marvel projects that have come out, except for James Gunn's movie, right? The marketing for them have been pretty much the same. The trailers, it all falls into that sort of Marvel formula, whereas the Guardians 3 marketing really promised something different. And I think for the most part, they did deliver on that. Now, granted, it's still a Marvel movie, but I think the emotional depth, the darkness that they were able to integrate into that movie was drastically different. And, you know, you hear these things about like superhero fatigue and Marvel fatigue. And I think that the amount of money they're dumping in the projects and the amount of qu- the quality that we're getting is definitely subpar to what we received in the past with Marvel. And I think that if they are able to strategically market Superman legacy and in the marketing show that this is something different, it's a unique take. It is something like that's going to be a different type of superhero movie. I think that will benefit them. So it really just comes down to how they do that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I think, I think you hit the nail right on the head. It, it's Cause James Gunn's weight. James Gunn's name does hold weight. Now, obviously he's not a Scorsese or a Nolan, but like, I put them with the other like kind of group of directors where like, you know, like a uh, Greta Gerwig, a uh, uh, Jordan Peele, you know, you hear that name and you're like, Oh, I'm intrigued. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, so. it, it's going to be interesting how it plays out. We're going to have to, we're going to have to <laughs> wait and see on that. But with all of that down to my favorite part of the show, let's move on to the box office. The box office. And ladies yeah, and gentlemen, something. what a fucking box office weekend it, was holy shit, Nicholas. All right, let me get our 
predictions Get here. Get those predictions. I cannot wait. I cannot wait for how wrong we were. All right. Dalton, Barbie, Oppenheimer, Mission Impossible, Sound of Freedom, Insidious. Okay. I had Barbie, Oppenheimer, Mission Impossible, Sound, and Elemental. Okay. 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 Uh, we're obviously both wrong. Um, let's do this, shall we? Yeah. These are the Sunday estimates. We will put the final Monday numbers in the description in the video below. Because there's one where I think it could flip. Okay. Opening number one to $155 million. Barbie. Fuck yeah. Okay. Um, and opening second, a three hour R rated drama opening to $80 million. Oppenheimer. That was only, that was projected in the 50s. It made 80. I think Barbie was 120, so they both outperformed by they like roughly both 30 million. Performed. That's incredible. I'm so curious about next week, the drops that they're going to get. Yeah, I. it's going to be interesting. But it gets better, <laughs> Nicholas. Go on. Coming in third, Sound of Freedom. Dropping 26% from last weekend, making another $20 million. 20.1. Coming in fourth. Yeah, coming in fourth. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 making another 19.5 and that's the one I think can flip if we uh -huh. see but it dropped 64% it dropped 64% from week 1 to week 2 but that was kind of expected because of Barbenheimer weekend but Sound of Freedom making more than a Mission Impossible movie is insane to me Yep. and coming in 5th Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny making another 6.7 million dollars poor insidious geez that took a hell of a beating then listen don't say poor insidious that movie is just fine dude uh i'm gonna i'm gonna dive into some numbers yeah. here uh, i'm gonna go all the way down to dude joyride is bombed like it's it's shame. worldwide. Yeah, it is a shame because it's a great film. It's worldwide total right now. Let me pull it up here. It's $13 million. You know, it's it's not great, which is a shame because that's a, that was a really funny movie. Yeah, I, I liked it more than No Hard Feelings and No Hard Feelings is running with it. Yeah, and speaking of No Hard Feelings, it came in 10th this weekend. It now has a worldwide total of $82 million. Holy shit on a production budget of 45 so slightly under profitability but i don't think they're going to take that i think they're going to see this as a win considering how already comedies have been traditionally performing in the recent years and uh my hotel wi-fi is acting up give me a second yep god i think they're they're updating the website as we're recording which is hysterical <coughs> okay um, let's see here. Uh, Transformers Rise of the Beast, 423 worldwide. I think it's not going to get that much higher than that. Mm -hmm. But uh, they'll take that as a win, I think. Uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, 675. I don't think it's quite going to get to 700. 
but they shouldn't be disappointed with that considering it only had a hundred million price tag. Uh, Elemental, which only dropped 36% from last week, which had strong holds, now has a box office worldwide total of $356 million. Uh, wow. It's made 1.8 times its budget, not necessarily profitable, but it's definitely better than what they thought they were going to make after its bad opening weekend. It has stayed in there. And Elemental is a good movie, yeah. by the way. People should watch it. Very consistent. Uh, Insidious the Red Door <laughs> has made $155 million worldwide on a budget of 16. It's made 9.7 times its budget back. So it's currently the most profitable out of all these. <laughs> yes. Good for Patrick Wilson. Uh, let's dive into top five. Indiana Jones, uh, $335 million worldwide. It has made 1.1 times its budget. There you go. There you go, Indy. That's so sad. What a um, fun song. Yeah. Uh, Mission Impossible now has $370 million worldwide all on a budget of $290. So it's slightly more profitable than Indiana Jones right now, but it's still not amazing. Uh, we're going to see how the holds go throughout the weekends because we have three movies opening this weekend which by the way i still need to text the fucking group chat about and see what you guys want to see what do you got haunted mansion talk to me and theater camp which i've heard is actually very good Mm -hmm. and listen nick listen i know that i know they're gonna go see haunted mansion right i know it I want to see Talk to Me so fucking bad, dude. I want to see it so bad. I don't I don't know if I'm going to be there Thursday, so I might just uh, double feature when I get back uh, Haunted and Talk to Me. That's... Maybe Talk to Me talk to me first and just be horrified and then yeah. just calm down with Haunted Mansion. Yeah, yeah, that's Talk sucks. about some counter-programming, though. Yeah. Both spooky movie. Yeah, right? Yeah, we're going to get yeah. to some hella counter-programming here in just a second on the box office. Oh, yeah. But uh, diving into Sound of Freedom... Um, $124 million domestic box office so far. It's insane. It is insane. Word of mouth and paying the pay it forward thing that they've been doing has been, it's been paying off for the studio. Mm-hmm. And I, I know that there's people saying, oh, I go and it says it's sold out, but the theater's empty. And it's like, yeah, you were saying the same thing about like Captain Marvel. I don't want to hear it. Like, I'm not going to dive into conspiracy theories on the movie doing well until something comes out saying that it actually didn't do well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, Oppenheimer, let's dive into Oppenheimer. On a budget of 180, worldwide has made 174. So by tomorrow, it will have made its production budget back and then it's just on its way. Because I think this I is going to be a consistent movie. Dude, Nolan's movies always have strong holds. It's just something that his movies have. And it's a um, it's a thing of also, like, if you try to buy IMAX tickets for August 6th, it's sold out. Like, yeah. people are still buying tickets to see this. And let's dive into the other big success this weekend, which is Barbie. Excuse me. <coughs> This hotel Wi-Fi really is running my patience here. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Uh, So worldwide, it has already made $337 million. (laughs) On a production budget of about 100, uh, I think it was slightly more. It might have been 150. 
But assuming the production budget's 100, it's made 3.4 times its budget back. If it's 150, it's made about two, almost two, right? Just under two. It, it's going to be a profitable movie. It's, it's going to be a profitable movie. It opened higher. I think it, it might have opened higher than Mario did. Here's what I'm curious about when it comes to Barbie, because I know we say sometimes like with big movies like this and not that, you know, not that Barbie itself is a meme movie like Morbius, but the Barbenheimer meme took off. Yes. So I am curious as to like how much everyone who's going to see the movie mm -hmm. saw it versus wanting to see it again. Because personally, I want to see it again. I might go see it again. Dude, I want to see both and, of them again. And, and like, it has, and it's getting, it's going to get excellent word of mouth from people who maybe were unsure about it. So I'm very curious what their drop is going to be like with those factors. They both got A cinema scores. Yeah. And that has been a huge box on the drive. Look at Elemental. That A cinema score has gotten it consistent low drops. And yeah. like, and like, dude, it's, it's, it's crazy. Like, I, I can't emphasize how good this is for movies. Because you have, like, yes, Barbie is an IP, but it's from a um, an indie filmmaker, an actor-turned-filmmaker who has put out bangers of Lady Bird and Little Women. By the way, Little Women is fantastic, and no one talks about what a great adaptation it was, but I digress. I've not seen that one. I've seen Lady Bird. I do want to watch uh, Little Women. So good. Um, mm -hmm. You have this filmmaker, which is also written co-written by Noah Baumbach, and you have Christopher <laughs> Nolan, and they got decently sized budgets not over budgets like you know mission possible and indiana jones yeah and have made huge successes this year huge box office successes and i want to take the total box office this weekend and calculate it of like all the movies so here we go yeah that's roughly 280 million dollars this weekend nice that is absolutely insane mm -hmm. and like it's something the box office desperately needed barbie and oppenheimer alone make up 235 of that million of that 280 that is crazy that a is win crazy. a win for movies all around it's a huge win it's a huge one for movies all around and um it's i hope it keeps up like for example yeah I think they're both going to have decent holds, at least 50, at least 50% holds. I don't, I don't think they're going to go over 55% drops. Mm -hmm. And you have Talk to Me coming out. And you have Haunted Mansion coming out, which I think if there's a movie in fear of not doing well, then maybe Haunted Mansion, which is unfortunate because it looks good. And Theater mm -hmm. Camp, which is an indie film, it was never intended to make a whole ton of money, but it's counter-programming is going to come out. Yeah. And I don't imagine Talk to Me's budget was huge. Let me see what that budget was. Talking is made on a budget of four and a half million, dude. It's gonna, it's gonna be fun. I, I am so excited. Movies are fucking back, and and it's 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 the audience is saying, "Listen, we're getting a little bit tired of this franchise overspent franchise bullshit. We just want to see good movies, original like good original movies. Barbie's mm -hmm. based on an IP, but the marketing with Greta Gerwig is what got that movie." But it's an original take. It's not a Barbie. It's not exactly. trying to be a bar. It's a Barbie movie, but it's not trying to be like 
a Barbie movie. We could do a whole episode on if on if this movie's canon to the straight to DVD Barbie cartoons that used to come out because my sister made me watch them all the fucking time. So I know all about them. I've seen all of them. That's a great conversation. Is it canon? Is it canon Barbie edition? But uh, but yeah, no, it's this is I, I I'm repeating myself at this point. This is this is fantastic news. Like mm-hmm. unbelievable. So happy for everyone who got to see these movies and have a great time. And I hope it continues. I hope it continues through the rest of the summer. Here's where we can get nubby though. What's next week gonna look like? And I'm gonna I'm gonna make oh, you go first no. here. Okay. Um Barbie number one. Okay. Oppenheimer number two. Haunted Mansion number three. Mission Impossible number four. And listen. I know Santa Freedoms are making money. Indiana Jones and Elemental have been staying in there. I have to do it. Talk to me, number five. This will okay. not happen. But I want it to happen so bad that I'm going to try to will it into existence. Can you? Do you have Insidious pulled up? What did Insidious do opening weekend? Insidious opening weekend did, I want to say, it had a very good opening weekend. Let me see what it was, though. Insidious opening weekend made 33. I don't think Talk to Me has the marketing and the staying power of 33. But it doesn't need to make 33. <laughs> I'm going to go Barbie, Oppenheimer, Haunted Mansion, Talk to Me, Sound of Freedom. That's four. Right? Or is that five? Barbie, Oppenheimer, Haunted, Talk to Me, Sound of Freedom. I hope you're right. If Talk to Me opens third, you think Mission Impossible is done? I think I want it. I, I thought about maybe flipping Talk to Me and Haunted Mansion, but I think Haunted Mansion's got the recognizable name and the kids' counter-program, you know? Man, dude, if Mission Impossible takes another 60 drop, that's so bad. Mm-hmm. Oh. He wanted they those like IMAX. He, 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 he tried to get those IMAX screens. He really tried. <laughs> and it shows that he needed them. I think that I wouldn't be shocked if we see that movie get re released later on. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Next week's going to be what fun. A week. I'm excited. I am excited. But yeah, that's. Well. I have to check out here in about less than an hour and I, <laughs> I have yeah. to get ready. Uh, but that, I'm so excited about the box office. That's the show, everyone. We'll be back in the studio next week. Thank you guys so much for watching and we'll see you next time. Bye.